college players and all the coaches. Uh -huh. Wide receivers cutting their routes and getting open. Feels like Panther Nation is getting hopeless. Fighting back and forth with each other with mixed emotion. Right now isn't the time we should be broken. Cheering our Panthers on, keeping them focused. Coming out the gate, we ready, we hot smoking. Executing play after play, you know the motive, yeah. It's a wrap when the line get the sack. Or a pick from them thieves that stay creeping in the back. Linebacker with the blitz, he ain't see him, he was quick. Panther Nation going wild, this is how we represent. Man, it's 53 grown men acting their age. Not missing assignments and making spectacular plays. It's exciting when we roar like the ride. And hopefully for Mr. Panther Nation, the fire has been ignited. The nation, Panther Pride, until the end, we will fight. Now let's go. Welcome to the On The Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Delmar Miner, with my man... OG Tony B. And Killer Cam. Yes, sir. Welcome to episode three. Today, we're going to be talking about who are the free agents that the team should covet in the 2020 season. And to get started with this conversation, I'm going to talk to my man, Killer, and uh, give his take on this. All right. So I got a, a short list right here. Uh, as you all know, we are in a period of a little bit of financial struggle right now. We're not exactly uh we not exactly Warren Buffett out here on these NFL streets. So uh some uh, bargain bin finds for me. Uh Jordan Phillips, a nose tackle out of Buffalo, uh kind of flamed out as a few years in Miami, then guy at Oklahoma, but had a really big season in a uh, partial role in Buffalo last year, nine and a half sacks, good amount of pressures as a uh, kind of rotational pass rushing nose tackle. He's like six seven, three forty run, doesn't have a refined skill set, but he uh, can bull rush and power rush up there with uh, anybody else in the NFL. So I definitely look at him, maybe kind of be what, uh, what Kyle Lowe's been for us for the past few years, get younger there. I'm not a very big uh, Vernon Butler guy, so I'd love to see him replaced. Uh, another pickup here, uh, somewhat local guy. I know y'all might remember uh, Javon Kearse out of Clemson. He's been on the Vikings for the past few years. Strong safety, you know, really long, really rangy. I think he's like 6'4". Uh, this year in Minnesota, actually, uh, you know, they had a lot of struggles and injuries in the secondary. He actually played a, a good amount of nickel uh, in Minnesota last year on top of his uh, normal strong safety and did pretty well there. So I think he could be a nice, versatile piece. Maybe gives a little more versatility out of that safety spot to compliment Eric Reed, who's more of that uh, box safety and less good in coverage. And to get some veteran depth in our linebacker room, Wes Woodyard from the Titans – Solid NFL linebacker, been in the league for a while now. They got uh, Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans over there. I think he's a free agent, so I expect them to probably let him go. And he could probably be had for somewhere probably no higher than $5 million. Okay, man. Uh, Tony B., what you got? Hey, I, I, I love that uh, Rockleton, man. Um, you know, Panthers North is always selling our players, so it's time for us to steal <laughs> one back. Um, and, and I'll go through, you know, and from what I can see from – possible free agency leaving, you know, to replacing some people. Um, I like Eli Apple. I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, he, he, <laughs> he's done this. He's had up and down years, but he's a pretty solid uh, nickel corner there. Uh, I think we're going to have to replace Bradbury like we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, and then uh, Corey Littleton, linebacker. Uh, again, one of those guys that not really a big physical specimen, but uh, in the event that we – get or don't get 
uh, Simmons, and we'll talk about that later, then I think this is a a, a plug-and-play player. Uh, he's essentially a Shaq, you know, just from the outside linebacker's perspective. Uh, and then uh, another – it's kind of crazy that Cam mentioned another former Clemson player. I'm going to mention one here too, uh, Big Be- Beasley. Uh, I know may have, you know, some tread on him, but – it's still uh, a plug-and-play guy, I think, that can help us uh, through, you know, a little financial struggle until we figure out how to make some of these cuts or restructure some of these contracts. So um, what I got here is Robbie Anderson from the Jets. Hmm. He's got a previous history with Coach Rule, and I think um, I think with the right coaching, he can be that taller, longer body, deep threat that we're missing in the offense. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Trey Boston, uh, of course, you know, he's already on the team, but I think Trey needs to come back. I like his leadership uh, for the young secondary. And um, he's a good ball hawk, safety. Granted, his tackling is to be desired, but otherwise than that, um, I, I think he's he's a good holdover from the Rivera era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcel Darius. I think Marcel uh, is an affordable D tackle with veteran experience. Uh, he's been on some pretty elite defenses. Um, I know he was somebody that we looked at a couple of years ago in the draft. Uh, and I think maybe we can bring him to Carolina in, in case we lose like a Gerald McCoy. Uh, obviously, Kyle Love is probably going to be out. He's going to be too old. And then uh, really looking at this cornerback spot, as you mentioned, Tony, regarding James Bradbury. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, I think he's still young and still has a lot of potential and can play the slot. And, um, you know, I feel like uh, we could bring him in and and maybe get some trade off of those tires. So, guys, um, let's talk about if if you had one person off your list that out of all the guys that you listed that you could bring to the team, who would it be? And let's start with Tony first. I, I Again, I feel like I'm going to go with uh, Brockers. Um just because I, I think that's a a lot of what we struggled with last year was that our linebackers could not get to particular gaps they needed to get to because obviously we were in this makeshift three four and our defensive line wasn't really prepared to do that. Uh, with Vernon Butler, he showed a little here, a little there, but you know we need we need that run stopper, that that stuffer, that three hundred and forty pound nose tackle that's going to go in there and just cause pure. You know the word I'm going to use, but I, I think I would I would go to Carolina North and get Brockers to come come down south. Okay, let me ask you one thing about Brockers. What you say he plays D tackle, right? Correct. Okay, um, will he fill a three technique or will he be the nose? Uh, I think he can do both. I think he's a versatile dude. I think he can. Uh, I mean, if you need him to play three, uh, do I think? That's probably not a strong suit, but I, I think he can he can do it. Uh, but yeah, he, he would be a prototypical nose nose tackle for me. Now, Cam, mm-hmm. let me ask you about Jordan Phillips because I, I don't really know much about him, and uh, I'm intrigued with his pass rushing ability, especially you know with Buffalo's defense and uh, McDermott calling the plays. That sounds like a like a natural fit. So, can you give us some more information on him? Let's see, like I said, he's a uh... See how he's 27 years old, uh, out of Oklahoma. See, he got drafted by the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, really struggled to uh, kind of latch on, latch onto the scene there. You know, the Dolphins were just kind of past few years and been kind of a listless organization. But anyway, uh, he was claimed off of waivers from Buffalo, 
and, you know, playing that uh, kind of Kyle Love role that, you know, McDermott loves, you know, that uh, rotational number three defensive tackle that, you know, just gets in there and has that, you know, that license to go get the quarterback. So, yeah, playing that role. So, like, on a ridiculously, like, low snap count, he pretty much only played on, like, third downs in Buffalo. He recorded nine and a half sacks with a good amount of pressures. And like I said, you know, he's not a, you know, he's nothing like, you know, an Aaron Donald, you know, with a refined pass rushing skill set. But uh, like I said, you know, he's a huge dude, 6'6", 6'7", 341 pounds, great speed. And, yeah, I mean, you just can't do anything about that size bull rushing and use him the right way. So I think he'd be a really good, really great pickup for us. Yeah, man. On my list, I think I think the one person that I really want is Robbie Anderson. I've been intrigued with his gameplay ever since he's come into the league. Um, and I really feel like, I mean, let's be honest, the Jets have not been very good. Their quarterback situation has been up and down. And he still relatively produced quite well. And I think if you put him in the offense with Cam, Robbie Anderson will fill that Ted Ginn role in that 2015 season. He's the guy that can go down field with better hands and, and, and track down that deep ball. We'll have an offense that can at least score, you know, on average, I say 24 to 30 points a game. And in today's NFL, that'll win you at least nine to 10 games. Mm-hmm. Granted, we don't know how our defense is going to be. But um, I feel like if we really get this offense kind of humming a little bit, uh, we'll be a lot more competitive in, in 2020 than than anybody would give us credit for. So, um, all right. So, guys, anything else about the free agents? Uh, anything else you'd like to discuss? Uh, I think, man, uh, just, a, you know, just an outside theory on the whole thing. Uh, I think with what was said last week about Cam, having Cam back in the fold, I think that helps uh, our free agency pool. Uh, from all spectrums of the NFL, whether it be re-signing veterans. I think even Trey Boston even said if, you know, hey, a lot hinges on me if if Cam's the quarterback or if Cam's not the quarterback. So um, that might, you know, that might bring in some hometown discounts and that that nature of of free agency. And just to kind of, you know, segue just a little bit, I want to get y'all's opinion on the Cam situation. Matt Rule said a lot of stuff this week regarding Cam Newton. And uh, I'm just kind of interested to see what you guys have to say about that. So, Cam, what's what's your take on it? I just felt kind of, you know, like vindicated. Like, I mean, that's what we were saying. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't any, you know, steadfast, you know, like this is our quarterback for the next, you know, Dave Gelderman like proclamations. This is our quarterback for the next five years about Eli Manning and whatnot. But uh, I mean, just common sense, you know, uh, as long as Cam's not healthy, that trade value isn't there to where you're really getting anything out of it. And if he is healthy, you have a proven franchise quarterback. So, I mean, there's just no reason to uh, go into next season not expecting to have that. The fact that Rule uh, hopes that Camden's going to be back uh, falls in right into what we said, where, you know, it's easy for someone who's not a fan of the team to say, like, oh, Matt Rule's got a seven-year contract. They can just tank this year and go get Trevor Lawrence. But when you're actually that coach, like I said last week, you know, with Hugh Jackson, no one goes back and says, oh, Hugh Jackson's only 1-31 because the Browns are tanking. Hugh Jackson just won 31, and he's never going to be an NFL coach again. So Matt Rule wants to come out. He wants to win. He wants to be successful immediately. He wants to prove that his coaching style can translate to the NFL. And I'm pretty sure, you know, all this talk, even though it's been praised about him being a program builder, I'm sure he's sick and tired of hearing how everybody assumes his team suckier one. I think he's probably going to be out looking to prove uh, that theory wrong as well. So, I mean, I just think there's nothing surprising here. I wouldn't expect anything less from him. I agree with I agree with Cam, man. Uh, I saw a I don't know if either one of you guys follow um, uh, Cam and uh, on Instagram. Yeah, I do. Uh, 
And if you saw his uh, I just want some commitment comments, um, it, it's kind of funny that it came out about the same day that Rule said what he said. But I can see I can hear in that man's voice that, you know, it's it's more about business and it, it's it's about the chip is back. You know, it's, it's not I don't want to say he's not carefree, you know, 2015 cam. But I'm telling you that as a man on a mission and I wouldn't want to be in the war path when he comes back. And on top of that, man, I, as I said, we've all said before, man, that's a franchise guy. You just don't let franchise guys walk out the door for nothing. And essentially if you trade them, that's what we're going to get. Nothing. Take what you can get. And if cam's healthy, then okay. We, we probably move on with cam for another, I would say probably two to three years. If he's not, then we see that. And Hey, we only got him on one, one year contract. So it's not like, we lose in the world based on that and or you, you draft a quarterback that has the likeness that we want to build with in the future and let them sit behind Cam and learn how to be an NFL quarterback. Like, what's wrong with that? Guys, I think the Carolina Panthers are in a win-win scenario. First off, we got our franchise quarterback back, basically, for cheap, uh, relatively cheap compared to the other quarterbacks in the league. Two, we also have a high draft pick where if we decide that we want to draft a quarterback, like you were saying, we could draft one and let that guy sit and let him learn, which in today's NFL, we've seen Mahomes, Rodgers. I mean, those guys sat behind great quarterbacks, learned the game, and when they stepped in, those franchises didn't miss a beat. In fact, I think they might have been even a little bit better because, you know, that guy has time to soak up the offense. He has time to see what not to do and what to do and, and learn from the coaching staff. Whoever we get, um, whether it be in the first round or whether it be free agency, that person is not going to have that pressure to have to step on the field because Cam Newton, I guarantee, is going to want to take every snap next year to prove his worth, whether he's going to be here in Carolina after next year or if he wants a contract extension or, or whatever it is. Like you said, Tony, he's got that chip, and that man is ready to play, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do, man. Let's move on. Guys, let, let's talk about this, this draft. We got a few interesting draft choices that the Carolina Panthers could uh, choose. So we're going to start with Tony B. In a perfect world, man, who are your 2020 Carolina Panther draft choices? I, I'm a, I, and I kind of went from round one to round seven, man. Um, I'll go – and, and I talk about some of the major ones, but you know, obviously, first round, uh, we talked about it a little bit before we got on the air. Um, Isaiah showed me like that dude's it. I, I don't know how you, if he's there at seven, I don't know how we pass over that unless somebody else is just. Uh, my only other option would be to trade back and get another first round draft pick, not to get Isaiah Simmons. So, I mean, there's obviously some wiggle room. Uh, around where people think he's going to go from four to I'm seeing from four to nine, four to 10. I don't think he's going to end up at 10 in any, any, any shape, way or form, but uh, I would love to have Isaiah as my first round pick. And then second round, man, I'm, I'm looking at this dude. Um, I was looking through the corners and I was looking at this dude, Jeff Gladney from TCU cornerback, kind of rangy dude uh, fits the mold of our, not really big name guys that we always bring in to, to be corners. And if he's not there, I'll take uh Alaric Jackson 
uh, offensive tackle from Iowa just to help some of that interior on the right side because I don't know Daryl Williams is going to be the answer anymore. So maybe he's just better served as a backup. Again, moving on to the third round, I, I don't know if this dude's still going to be sitting there, but I would love to have a, a, a descendant of Randy Moss named Thaddeus Moss. He's shown that he can be Travis Kelsey-like. Uh, I don't know if he can actually block yet. Uh, if you look through some of the, uh, his combine video, uh, he got kind of beat up a little bit on uh, on the blocking, but we'll we'll see what that develops into. On to the fourth round, I'll take. I know y'all. We we all talk about this this uh, conception of you know. I don't really care if anybody in our receiving core has you know more than sixty, seventy catches because I think that's what we're we're going to transition to. I agree with what Delmar said earlier. We need a big rangy uh, receiver that can kind of help do that. And I'm looking at Tariq Black from uh, Michigan. Didn't really have a always healthy time in Michigan and, you know, not always having the best quarterback in Michigan. But if you look at any of the dude's videos, when the ball's in the air, he is what I call a go get it. Round fives and round six, I, I I got some dudes in mind, but they're more part of my sleepers. So I'll, I'll, I'll lay off. I'll just go one through four until we get to the sleeper run, sleepers to talk about. Okay. Cam. All right. So for me, round one, uh, I'll cheat a little bit, but give a different answer just for the sake of a parody here. So Isaiah Simmons did uh, show me a lot, and I do feel like there's a strong chance that it falls to us because although he did show me a lot, I still feel like if you're going to take him, just use him as a middle linebacker. I don't think he's going to be worth that. One, I just don't think you're using him right. And two, while I'm sure he'll be a capable player at that, that's not really Isaiah Simmons, you know, being put in that box of just being, you know, a Luke Keekley or like a Bobby Wagner, you know, middle linebacker type. So I know the Giants are a team that are you know, a lot of people are pick and take them, but I think they need that middle linebacker. So I think they may pass on him there. So as as him is definitely, uh, if he doesn't fall to us, I'm uh, going a little lower on AJ Epineza, and I was high on him before, but he has a little, he's a little more Cleveland Farrell kind of run stuff. You know, maybe low end one, number two type. So not really, not really that upside. I probably would look for in a top ten pick, be a guy we can take if we trade down lower in the first round, but. I'm going to go with the nose tackles, uh, Derek Brown and Javon Kenlaw as uh, my ideal picks at seven there. Uh, KK is still a beast, but uh, not getting any younger, getting a little more injury prone as he's uh, getting up there in age. And uh, I mean, this is where it started, uh, building our previous team last time with the star and KK. That's how we started building our defense. Keep that same energy going. In the second round, a guy I have my eye on, is David Woodward, a linebacker out of Utah State. Uh, Utah State, of course, is the uh, school that developed uh, Bobby Wagner. He has great passing coverage instincts on tape, like a Bobby Wagner, like a Kuki Klee, just that, you know, just understanding offenses, understanding coverages, et cetera, et cetera. Combine, I think he ran like that four six five range, so about kind of where Luke is, you know, that good enough speed, not, you know, some freak athlete, but – not going to get dusted out there. So uh, linebackers normally fall in the draft. He could be there day two. And if he is there, uh, if we don't, especially if you do not go Simmons in the first round, this guy I would take day through uh, round three, a guy I'm looking at here, uh, Van Jefferson out of Florida uh, from over here. His tape looks a lot like a uh, Keenan Allen's coming out. Well, obviously in hindsight, you know, Keenan Allen's one of the best receivers in the NFL, but 
believe Keenan Allen was only a second or third round pick uh, when he came out the draft. He, uh, Van Jefferson was at Ole Miss from uh, 2015 and 2017. And as you see, players like uh, Dawson Knox, A.J. Brown, uh, D.K. Metcalf, Ole Miss really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and I can only imagine what it is for those players who were the stars there, how their production was diminished, how Van Jefferson was being stuck behind all of them. Had a little bit of a more of a breakout at Florida. Only had about one year there. Really deep receiving class. Really talented guy. He is injured at the moment. I think he has a foot fracture, so he may uh, fall a little lower on the board than he typically would. Round four, looking at tight ends. If we are going to give Ian Thomas that shot as our uh, number one tight end, a guy to look at is uh, Kobe Parkinson out of Stanford. Huge dude. Uh, I think he's like 6'7", 251. Saw routes, good hands, not the best blocker in terms of like, you know, doubling an edge guy or anything. He is just an absolute mauler in space, uh, screen screen passes and all those types of things. And I think uh, having him as our uh, running out in space to lead by Christian McCaffrey as our number two tight end, he can really do some nice things. So this is what I think about the draft. I'm not going to go through like rounds one through four like you guys did. What I'm going to do is just kind of give you some scenarios mainly from the first round because I, I think I think the Panthers once again have a lot of options. So obviously let's say if we stay pat at pick number seven, I would prefer to get Isaiah Simmons, but if he's not available, like Cam said, we, we just follow the same formula like we did in early on in our career uh, when Cam got here and Luke were here, uh, we started building that interior line on the defense. So you either get Derrick Brown or if you maybe if you trade back uh, and you pick up some extra picks, you can get Kinlaw as well. Or maybe if, if you trade back, maybe you can still get Derrick Brown and get Kinlaw. So you could double up like we did before during the Gettleman era uh, when we got Star and KK. Also, the Panthers have another trade back scenario where I think if, if a quarterback is available, I think the quarterback that we pick up in the first round possibly be Jordan Love. Granted, I, I watched a little bit of tape on him. He kind of reminds me of, in, in my mind, he, he's an unpolished Phillip Rivers type of quarterback. I like what I saw, but he needs time to sit. Definitely. So, so I think, you know, behind like a Cam Newton, that would be a great person to kind of sit behind. And then with this coaching staff, getting a more quarterback-friendly style of offense that would work well for Jordan Love. And we could probably definitely get the potential that I think everybody else is seeing out of him. And we could have our franchise quarterback for the next 10 or 15 years, depending on what happens with Cam. And in that scenario too, like I said, if we trade back, if we get back into the first round later on, I think we take a wide receiver. Delmar, I I I I I thought about that in my first round draft pick too, just to caveat what you're saying about wide receivers. I'm hearing you know, if you look at the trends of what everybody's talking about, um, everybody expects defensive defense linemen, quarterbacks, all to become off the board really, really fast. So my question is, if Jerry Judy is sitting there at seven, is Jerry Judy in the line of those Alabama previous receivers that you cannot pass over? Oh, that's tough. That, that's a hard one, man. And it, it's hard to say because I honestly feel like Simmons, to me, Simmons is a better pick because DJ Moore is our current number one. 
Well, not according to Steve Smith, but that's a whole nother conversation. DJ Moore is our true number one right now. And I think, you know, Curtis Samuel is a good number two. And I think we can get a a still relatively good receiver later in the draft and fill some of those more current needs with that seven pick. But, but Tony, you're right, man. That's a hard choice because Judy probably will be there at seven. And if you saw anything from what he did at the combine, not only, but anything he's done over now, you know, I usually don't hinge a lot of stuff on what Mel Kuyper says just because, you know, sometimes he overhypes players. Yeah, definitely. But for him to say that is the best route runner he's seen in 20 years of the NFL draft, it's a, in my eyes, a, a really, really big statement. And if you can get somebody in the NFL that you don't really have to teach the route tree to, you can just throw them a the ball. And think about if you put Jerry Judy – Again, I'm going to this multiple look, multiple formations. Hey, we're going to put them all on the field. You ain't got enough to cover them with. You put Jerry Judy, you put Christian McCaffrey, you put DJ Moore in a stack, and you put Curtis Samuel on the backside with your probably number three corner. That's that's nasty right there. And and again, I, I go back to what Cam said about Isaiah Simmons on the other side, right? He's kind of in the mode of our Thomas Davis and our Shaq Thompson. If we put him in, in a linebacker, we really getting everything out of him that we want when probably what we really need is a prototypical linebacker because we have the likes of Brian Burns, the Carters, and all those guys that really haven't had a chance to be proven commodities in our linebacker core so far. I, I think – if by chance for some ungodly known reason that somebody wanted to slide him back to safety, I think you can find a safety later in a round. I just wanted to push the, that, that question out to see how you guys felt about it, because that is one I think that could potentially hit our war room and be a very interesting decision to have to make for your first pick as a new NFL head coach in hinge. I always feel like this is a cam physical uh, impacts my answer to this question whether or not we because one to two like uh, depending on uh, I feel like there will be a good amount of confidence off of this physical on like how likely the uh, return of Superman is here if I get a sign that you know it's all you know all things go return of Superman uh, it's gonna be hard to resist you know the ability to create that offense as well as us being in the NFC South with the you know the Mike Evans Chris Godwins and Michael Thomases of the world you know, put together an offense that in position to be the uh, dominant offense in the NFC South for years to come is definitely a uh, promising proposition. And you see a team like, you know, the Falcons, uh, they, ha- they still had Roddy White uh, in his prime uh, when they uh, made that trade to get Julio, but uh, just said that he was uh, that level of talent. The one thing that does scare me is receiver is probably next to running back in terms of the least needle-moving position in terms of, you know, just impacting your – are we going to make the playoffs or not? Or can't win the yeah. Super Bowl or not? Unless you got a, like a Megatron coming out straight off the streets, which is different. So that's the only thing that uh, scares me is uh, I feel like our offense is, you know, would be straight or kind of set with, with, our, with or without Jerry Judy. But he is that transcendent talent, so it, it is very hard. But if he's there at seven, I might, I might pull the trigger. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, man. We're going to have a lot of options, so – I'm really interested to see where Marty Herney uh, and uh, Matt Rule are going to go. And to be honest, I, 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 we're kind of in another good spot where 
no matter who we probably pick at seven, we're gonna get a good player. Regardless, we're getting a yeah. starter. We're getting it, we're getting a bona fide star. Yeah, I agree. So just kind of segueing, who are y'all's NFL draft sleepers? Tony, who do you think is a sleeper right now? You man, think that pick I five and a, six? Man, I got man. I, it, a lot of them got this hometown flavor about them because you know I kind of watch more of what I call East Coast football, and I'm not really a big. Uh, West Coast football dude, but uh, I will, just for giggles, I'll give you a, a quarterback that I actually paid attention to that uh, I don't know if a lot of people know his name and what he's capable of, but the man is, you know, tossed the pig skin around a little bit um, out in uh, a Mike Leach system, uh, Anthony Gordon, 6'3", 210. Again, he's from the Pac-12, so I, I kind of a little leery, but anytime somebody can complete like 72 to 75% of their passes, and I know we can all say, hey, they ain't really paying no defense, but 72 to 75% of your passes, regardless of who's playing defense, is kind of high to me. And and then uh, I correlated to Jacksonville's Minshew, right? You got another guy that a lot of people didn't know anything about or, you know, you're not really high on or has this flaw, uh, and I think his flaw is – he may not be the smartest dude in the world because he's been in, you know, just these wide open systems where you make your first read and you throw the ball. But again, I like overachievers. So I'll, I'll go there for the, that. And I think he's more of a, a fifth or sixth round talent, uh, not somebody that's going to obviously be able to step in and do anything great for you at, at the top. Uh, back into our conversation about our number seven pick and why I think it's so such a difficult decision. There's a guy down in Appalachian State named Akeem Davis Gaither. 6'2", 215 pounds, runs like a 4'5", 340, plays outside linebacker. People like to mention Appalachian State as, you know, oh, they're they're still a D, DT school, but we, we've seen that that doesn't really matter anymore in, in the way to the NFL. Um, the dude is a flat-out, eat your keys out the backfield type of dude. Like, he's going to go get whatever it is that has the ball. Well, I think he's a skill uh, still. Obviously, I don't think there's really much tape on him and where he's he's playing at. But in all the games that he's played big names, um, and I'll just give you a, a little rundown of those teams I'm talking about. Notre Dame, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio State, and I forget the, the fifth team. But uh, in those games, he averaged 14 and a half tackles, uh, had five sacks and seven tackles for loss. So he he to me shows that he can he doesn't matter it doesn't matter what level they are on that he can play with anybody. And then another hometown field man, my super sleeper, dude named Kyle Duggar, Lenore Ryan up there, you know, in the mountains of <laughs> North Carolina. Dude ran a four four one forty. He's six two. He's two hundred twenty pounds. A vertical or forty plus. He plays safety and outside linebacker. So. Those, again, I understand that Isaiah Simmons is a transcending talent, but I, I think there's, you know, some other dudes out there that could plug the hole at linebacker and you could still go get you a, somebody that could, uh, like Cam said, transition the offense into something that you've never seen before. And then I'll go my last one, man. Um, I don't know how much. Trey Boston is really being considered to be brought back. I think, as Delmar said previously, that he should be brought back. Who knows? And I think the Tanner Muse 
another one of those uh, dudes that I think people don't really know. Well, you should know a lot about him because he played at Clemson. Uh, he's also the dude that probably won them their sem- semifinal game. He is a uh, Jim Thorpe finalist. He can blitz off the edge. Um, he understands coverage. Uh, and then, like I said, he he has a big playability. He seems to always be in the right place at the right time. Some people say he's a safety. Some pay- people say he's an outside linebacker. Again, I, I like those players that if we're going to move to this multiple defense capability that have the ability to play multiple pieces of the puzzle. So those are my sleepers. I think he's also like a, a fifth or a sixth round draft pick, but Honestly, I feel like if you ain't in the first or second round, then, I mean, you could go anywhere from three to seven and you probably people going to consider you a sleeper. But in all honesty, I don't really think there are at that point any sleepers. I just think that people are either going to be able to make the transition or they're not. So those are my guys. Um, I, I got some more cornerbacks and stuff, too, but I want to watch a little bit more fa- film on. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some more later if, if we get the chance. Cam, what's up, man? All right. Got a couple guys here. Mostly mostly offense. But it's just an easier position to gauge uh, sleep material on. So, one, sticking with the uh, Pac-12 after dark theme here. Wide receiver out of Oregon State. Uh, let's see what's his name. Isaiah Hodgins. 6'4". Runs. Beautiful routes. Great hands. Again, Oregon State ain't won a lot of fo- didn't win a lot of football games. But uh, I was listening to a uh, scout talk about him. And he said uh, when he watched his tape, if you didn't see the colors and was just looking at this guy play and someone told you you're watching Adam Thielen, you would not be able to tell the difference is uh, how he described his tape. Right now, I see he has about a fourth round projection. This is before the combine and he may probably stick there. He ran about a four, six, one, but a six, four, great, good route running, great hands. I think he can be a a really, really, really good slot receiver. Somebody who can fall late for us. Another guy to look at here, uh, if we are going to uh, bring back Christian McCaffrey, the uh, the uh, white man's burden needs to be alleviated, as we should call it, about his uh, snap count. So uh, Antonio Gibson, running back kind of receiver hybrid, 6'2", uh, 220 pounds out of uh, Memphis. Really good hands, just a uh, nice uh, receiving threat, kind of change of pace, explosive uh, gadget player kind of guy. For us to look at and bring in uh, another receiver to look at, uh, KJ Hill out of uh, Ohio State. We've seen in the past couple drafts, uh, guys like Michael Thomas and uh, Terry McLaurin, receivers out of Ohio State that uh, didn't really get the shine, a lot of shine at school and uh, breaking out. With my draft sleepers, my draft sleepers are Jalen Hurts and any LSU, Baylor, or Temple players because of the familiarity with the coaching staff. There's a guy that just popped up today, or maybe yesterday, that I heard his name. He's from Baylor. I don't know a lot about him, but I I just kind of heard what he did at the Combine, and he turned some heads. Wide receiver, last name Mims. Denzel Mims. Mm -hmm. Yes, him. I really think that he has become a target for this coaching staff just because of the familiarity that Rule has with his players at Baylor. Mm-hmm. And just based upon, you know, even when he picked his coaching staff, I mean, he, he picked a lot of people from his previous stops. Mm-hmm. And so I think he'll do the same thing with the draft. Uh, so don't be surprised if we see a lot of Baylor, Temple players on our uh, squad, undrafted free agents, and especially with Joe Brady now. Um, I can see us also 
uh, looking at LSU players to bring in just because of his familiarity with them. And I think Jalen Hurts, he ran a great 40 time for quarterbacks at the um, at the combine. I think he has a lot of potential. Granted, I know he has issues throwing the ball. Uh, Me and Cam have talked about this, but I I think maybe with some some time to sit and some time to mature, he could really be a, a pretty good, decent NFL starting quarterback. I think he I think he has that it factor. I think he has that 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 moxie that that can win your football games that may not always be just talent based. Um, Tony said this in one of the previous episodes. I don't remember, but mm-hmm. he said, you know, I'm looking for the guy that's going to make that one play. I think Jalen Hurts might be that dude that can make that one play. I'm I'm going to tag on to you. To, 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 this is my thing about Jalen Hurts, right? So, number one, I like his mentality as a quarterback, right? The edge that he has, okay, I was a starter for two years. I did everything right. I did not lose one single game, and then I get benched in the national championship game. The next year, I come back. I save my team from not reaching the national championship game. I sit and I watch. Then I go off to a whole entire different offense, and I put up some of the the biggest numbers in college football history. So I think as a player, and yes, I know he struggles with his footwork and throwing the ball, but if you look at where he struggles, it's throwing the deep ball. And I think in the offensive system that we're going to have, it's not going to be about the deep ball. It's going to be about the intermediate throw. It's going to be about getting our guys like Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and I'm, I'm presetting it in perfect world, Thaddeus Moss, into space on one-on-one coverage that they can then make plays, extend plays, whatever. I think Jalen Hurt, like Delmar said, extend plays well. Football IQ is outside of this world. If you watch uh, the quarterback playbook interview he had at the uh, combine, it's out of this world. What Delmar said, and I I call it the same thing, the it factor. He doesn't really seem like he's the the rah-rah guy. He needs a lot of attention and whatever else, right? And I think that's the type of dude that you want in your locker room. Like, excuse my quote, but I'm going to go here with me. me. He kind of like me. You know, like, (laughs) you're like, oh, this guy is on the team. Yeah, we know he's there, but... You know, there's all these other stars that we we're so into, and 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 is it really is he really worth it? Is he really a quarterback? And think about what Alabama would have been those three years without Jalen Hurts, because we've all seen what Alabama was without quarterbacks before. And then you get Tua, which is a again a top five quarterback in this draft that replaces you. So you can't really grade him on that. Then the guy that you re- replaced in Oklahoma, it was the number one draft pick from a year before that. So everywhere he goes, he's not running from opportunity. He's not hiding from. He could have went to, you know, any. He could have went to, I don't know. He could have went to Mississippi State and played quarterback, and probably been the dude. You know what I mean? But he's not shying away from that. And I think that's what makes quarterbacks great. It's not about, oh, uh, well, I need you to be able to throw 50 passes downfield over 50 yards accurately. Yes, I need you to throw one or two of those a game just to keep defenses honest. But he has a sneaky 
sneaky 40 time. I think he's a, what I would call, he has game time speed. So there's a difference between running a 40 in, in, you know, being clocked than being on the field. And the ability to know when to get down and make the right reads, man, that's more important to me than being able to throw 70-yard bomb accurately. Right? That's just how I felt about the man. And, and again, on the other flip side of that, if you get him and he can sit for a little while, we have quarterback coaches in the NFL that can change footwork. We've seen it with a guy, I don't know, named Cam Newton. Cam, I know you want to rebut, man. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, load my clip up here. Y'all know me, man. Uh, if you're not going to be an NFL quarterback in the traditional sense, you, you can't be sneaky athletic. You know, can't be all right. I can't. Oh, yeah, I can make. I can make some things happen with my legs. You need to be an athlete, the likes which we have not seen. Every single example of a successful, you know, dual threat quarterback, that quarterback from their scrambling perspective is a transcendent athlete. So, Cam, what do you consider uh, Russell Wilson? While Russell Wilson isn't a transcendent scrambler, he has a transcendent deep ball. So that's his. He's transcendent throwing on the run. You know, like him, like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes have like that, just throw on the run, pinpoint accurate. I could put the ball where only the receiver can get it on a rope, you know, generational deep balls. But anyway, but like even like Michael Vick, you know, transcendent scrambler, Randall Cunningham, transcendent, Cam, transcendent. You know, you just don't see the like, I struggle throwing and I'm like, all right, scram working out. I mean, a good comparison, uh, Jacoby Brissett by all regards in Indianapolis is a great dude. Even the year when Andrew Luck was still there and they were a one in five and went on the run to make the playoffs. The player in the locker room that called that meeting was Jacoby Brissett and Andrew Luck to uh, turn their season around. Even though Andrew Luck was still the franchise quarterback in terms of talent, you know, Jacoby Brissett was their franchise quarterback in terms of mentality. In spite of all that, at the end of the day, Jacoby Brissett just has limitations as a quarterback. He's fine, solid, I mean, probably you know, below average starting caliber. But you see now quite quickly after one season, the Colts are looking to uh, upgrade that position. Uh, to be Jalen, uh, that's Kirby set to me seems like the comparison. Cause again, like I said, uh, if you're going to be, if you're going to have bad footwork and not great accuracy, I think one, my big thing is accuracy is one of those things that, I mean, obviously you can improve somewhat, but like in terms of like the tier of like accuracy you're in, I don't feel like you knew about that. I don't think we've seen a quarterback who like we genuinely thought was a inaccurate quarterback in terms of just like where we viewed the monks tiers of quarterbacks and moved up from that tier to being what we consider a daily accurate quarterback. Well, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you another example, Cam. Uh I, I forget which Kyler Murray year is, but mm-hmm. everybody said Kyler Murray and in, in even Russell Wilson, they're too short to throw the ball deep. They're not gonna be able to see. They're not gonna be able to do this, they're not gonna be able to do that. Like you said, transcendent. Like the only thing I can really give Kyle, Kyle Allen is, that, or Kyle Murray is that he's super fast. You know what I mean? Like most of the time, he scares people just because he can run. But I still look at Jalen Hurts like we're we're talking about a guy. We're, I, I'm not looking for a guy that's going. I, honestly, I don't want him to throw to have to throw the ball 40 times a game deep or even 20 times a game. I'm looking for that guy that can give me five to ten plays that nobody else on the field can give me. And I don't think you have to be a transcending player to do that. You know, like 
I don't want to call him. I don't need. I don't want a game manager because we seen what Garoppolo did with that. He totally messed up San Francisco in a in a in a Super Bowl. But I think Jalen's a little bit better than average, and because his football IQ is better than average, that he can probably look off a safety or two here or there, and he's going to be able to pick out something out of that out of that game that's going to give us one or two plays that even if you were per se, I don't know, you you know, you have this pinpoint accuracy and Russell Wilson, again, this is, this is the guy that I, I'm, I'm molding him into in my mind. He's just a bigger Russell Wilson. He may not have the, like you said, I, and that is a transcending thing for Russell Wilson. He can move and keep a pocket alive for like 30 seconds, which is, I don't even know how he does that, <laughs> but having that ability, being that smart to overcompensate for your physical attributes, I think is an understated thing because football IQ will get you past some of those things. All right. right? So here's, here's my thing with that. I could get behind that. If like Jalen hurts was just like killing people on like West coast offense and like, okay, yeah, I can't throw a deep ball, but like, when I throw this check down, you best believe it's on the money, but that's not Jalen Hurts. You feel me? Like, you know, like even then, like, even with like, you know, a like short 20 yard, like me with just bad mechanics, like a bad throwing motion, like that's going to be inconsistent. You feel me? Like if you're going to, you know, be a guy who sprays a 15 yard slant pattern simply because your mechanics are bad, you know, yada, 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 you know, I need like that. Okay. I'm going to throw a 50-yard deep ball later to make up for the fact that I'm going to miss that 15-yard slant from time to time. Jalen Hurts has a little bit of that, like, raw boomer bust thing, but he has, like, that low floor, like, high like high ceiling, low floor thing to him, and I just, you know, I just don't really like that combination, you know? Like, if you're going to be an inconsistent passer, I need that, like, transcendent, some level of transcendence to complement inconsistency. I can't have, like inconsistency from a guy portraying himself as a like keep everything in front of me stability kind of you feel me I just like those are like I don't know, those things don't really you know work together for me you know those things don't really yeah so I, I'll give you that Cam I'll give you he's probably inside the pocket he's probably a I hate to say it but even in my own point he's probably a 60 to 63 percent accuracy type dude but you get him on the move, God forbid. I don't even know why this is a real thing. I don't know why some quarterbacks throw this much better on the run than they do in the pocket. But that goes up to about 65 to 67%. And I'm not saying that he's going to be like, you're going to be like, oh, my God, we're down by, you know, 14 points. Jalen Hurts is going to put it all on his back and, and, and win us the game. I don't know. But, it, again, I go back to a full NFL game. I think that the IQ – allows you to make better decisions and potential bigger plays because you can see things develop faster than, I don't know, a, a Kyler Murray or, I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes is the, the prototypical quarterback that everybody wants these days. Everybody wants to do that can escape the pocket, run, throw it on a dime, make his offensive line look really, really great by just moving around the pocket. But I will also say that has part to do with, the, the players that are around him in his system, in the system that he was brought in. And we can go back and look at Jalen Hurts' numbers from last year. Every game that mattered, he showed up and showed out. Now, I can't say the same about his his co- compadres besides, uh, I think, Jeremy Lamb, 
But if you look at those stats against in big games, the man was throwing for 400 yards and, you know, rushing for 80 or 90 yards. Like, that's pretty impressive to me, no matter what level, you know, we think of his inconsistencies or whatever. And I'll give you the same thing that, you know, you were saying about the inconsistencies of, you know, oh, my God, you missed this 15-yard pass or you missed this – how you missed this nine-yard slant route. I don't, I don't get it. But going back to another point, that Alabama drive in the, the semifinal game, every throw that he had to make, he made it because of the it factor, right? You don't have to be perfect all game to win a game. Cam Newton has showed us that. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect – all game to win a game. You just got to be in the moment. You got to get it done. And that's what Jalen Hurts does. In the moment, he gets it done. So I don't think he's a starter next year or even, therefore, after the two years, I think. But I think if you give him a the Patrick Mahomes treatment, I think you got a legit quarterback for the next five to ten years. Well, let me say this. Hold up. I got a hypothetical, guys. Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to, to chime in on this. We talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. If the Panthers take Jerry Judy at seven, and let's say if they were to take Jalen Hurts later, like let's say maybe the late second or, or third round, maybe they, they you know switch some picks around or something like that, and he's available, would you guys be okay with that? Cam, what would you say about that, man? I'm not spending personally any more than a fifth rounder on Jalen Hurts, to, to be real. But, I mean, I do like the sentiment of bringing him in with a guy that does have some familiarity with him. But again, my thing is like if I'm spending, if I'm spending a day one, outfit, rounds one through three, I consider those premium draft picks. You're looking to get something tangible. You're expecting the tangible result out of your picks one through three. I'd say four through seven. I feel like that's where you have a little more you know, room for flyers and whatnot. But one through three, you want to be really confident in what you're going. Tony, what about you, man? Um, I don't necessarily know if I want the combination of the two on on a team. Because I think, like I said, I think what you're getting, if you get Jerry Judy, you're getting an NFL-ready commodity. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts has to sit a while. So I don't think what we would envision that that combination to be something that could be used on the field would actually happen. So I'm not against it, but I just don't think it would be kind of sort of what Cam is saying. I don't think it's a immediate impact that's going to help us completely as a team. But I – also disagree with Cam. I, I just don't think there's a way Jalen Hurts is on anybody anybody's board or left on anybody's board after, at worst case, the fourth round. Maybe fourth. I'm not yeah, at, 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 at worst case, I don't see that. Just because we're talking about a premium position in the NFL, right? And we know people love to reach and people love to do craziness, right? And some of even, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was what, a second round, third round? He's first, like. Was he? He was like 29 or something, like 29, 30 or something, right? We're, we're talking about a position that most of the time people reach for. Uh, people reach a lot. And sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But I think if you have the ability to get a quarterback that could be better than serviceable and get him on a cheap scale and be able to get him to learn behind somebody else, and that could even be the, I mean, the guy that you both love uh, from Utah State. Either one of those two guys could potentially be a person that can come in the NFL, sit behind Cam, and learn. And hey, I mean, there's been other guys. I'm sure everybody in the NFL was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get, I don't know, whichever 
whack quarterback was drafted before Patrick Mahomes. But, hey, I'm going to go get this guy because on film he he's done all these great things and he can throw the ball a mile away. He can he can throw it the length of the football field and he's going to be great. And then they flame him out and then you got Patrick Mahomes at 28, 29. It's just like killing the whole NFL now. So it's up to that person to make us right or wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me and you ain't going to be able to solve the problem. But it's, it's up to that that person to come into the NFL with that same determination and see what they do with it, man. You, you just have to take your skill set and make it the best of your own personal skill set. And I think from a history standpoint, Jalen Hurts has showed me that he can go somewhere, learn something, and be a valuable piece to a team. And, and I'm just going to kind of piggyback off of you, Tony. What Jalen Hurts has shown is he's adaptable. That he can he can be in a relatively not good situation and still make the best out of it, which is kind of what I'm wanting out of a quarterback. Now, I'm not going to say he's, he's the best because Cam, Cam makes some really good points. And all these prospects are going to have some things wrong with them. They're not going to be perfect. But I do think maybe we start looking outside of just physical aptitude for some of these quarterbacks, especially in the rural era. And I think we are going to be starting to look for those higher football IQ guys that can be playmakers. And like you said, Tony, they don't necessarily have to make every play, but they got to make the play. And, And Cam Newton, I mean, we love Cam on this podcast. Well, let's be honest. Cam has had some stinker of a game sometimes. Sometimes you're like, man, Cam, what <laughs> who, is he, who is he throwing to? What ghost is on the field? Right. Like, are you throwing to the ghost of Kelvin Benjamin? Because that was like three <laughs> feet over Curtis Samuel's head. But Cam has more often than not shown to make the play that helps us win the game, even if his stats suck. And to me, I, I have, I mean, I won't lie, I've gotten used to it. I love it because I want a guy that, when we're down and out and things look bleak, he can rally the troops and bring us back. And, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts says, he, you know, he's he's done some of that. And I can't really say much about Jordan Love. I still need to watch a little bit more film, but I, I do kind of like what I'm seeing. I, I, I actually give that to Cam, too. Cam, I, I did watch a little bit more of him. Uh, I'm not totally against him. I just don't like the theory that, you know, um, as we've seen over the last couple of years, all these quarterbacks that we keep saying, Hey, they're from small school. They're going to do great things. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And then we get the, you know, we get the Carson Wentz <laughs> thing and we're paying somebody $34 million and we like, what we get for this? You know, what, 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 what do we got? And I, that's an anomaly, but I, I do like his skill set overall. I just don't know if that, that level of competition transitions that fast to him in the NFL. And I, I'll give you a prime example, man. When you, you play in football and, and you, you move up and you see a six, four, six, five, you know, linebacker chasing you and you like, I know I run a four, three, four, four. Like what is this dude keeping up with me? Like, how is this possible? And I'm sure that is, you know, some of the, some of the things that playing at Utah state, you don't see Von Miller coming around the edge, trying to kill you every single play. Cause your left tackle can't block him at all. And how do you get rid of the ball? So I, I just want to see him in an environment. And I don't know if he's even played any senior games, but I would have loved to see if he had. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So love, he's definitely a guy who he needs to sit here. There's no like question about that. But bro's going to suck. If somebody like, I mean, maybe he'll work about it. I think he's going to suck if somebody makes a play football this year, in my opinion. He's everything I need where like, you know, everything that I know I cannot teach somebody to do, he can do. Yeah. That's so like, if I'm going to, Sit a guy, that's what I need. I need everything that I just literally, there's nothing I can do to 
make you know how to do. You just have to be able to do it or not. I'll take that. Then trust my program's ability to, well, obviously you need a guy of like, I'm not into like, if you like Anthony Gordon has a, he's just not a leader of men. So like, that's why I wouldn't want him. But uh, as long as like you have meet like that baseline of like having the right mentality, you know, I'm more get the physical talent and trust your organization doing things the right way to instill that player with the knowledge and know-how to do more so than, Oh, get the, uh, that, that's just my order of operations for quarterback. Yeah. So I, I guess we all on the same, we all on the same concept. We want the it vector. Like that's what we want. Right. And we just see it in different lights, I guess. Again, I, I, I don't, dislike him I just think his competition is not has not been of value to him and I can't always say that that transition from small school to NFL has worked even after you know two or three years of sitting and most of the time we know if like you said previous cam if you like you like one through three I need you I'll I still go back to our pick from Will Greer I have no idea like I don't know why like that dude's not ready to play football. He still ain't ready to play football. Not in the NFL, he's not. To me, it's like, okay, this dude even played in a big school, and he still just – I don't know what Will Greer be looking at. <laughs> I don't even know if he look at this dude's in the same jerseys that he got on. He just out there doing whatever. So I think that's what kind of scares me about him. It's just the the competition level that he's had, and if that's going to transition to a point where he's – not able to adapt and or he's taking so many physical blows that are vastly different than what he's taking at Utah State that he's like, "Ah, I'm just getting rid of it out of my hand. I'm not even going to be an NFL quarterback and stand back here and and, and try to make, you know, what they're paying me worth it. I'm just going to throw it a la David Carr or what's the Jimmy Clausen. Those type of dudes. Oh, man. Yeah. Please, please don't talk about Jimmy you. out of bounds. Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And Jimmy Clawson rolls to the right, and he throws it out of bounds. Jimmy, right. when he, rolls to the, right. I, the only thing I give Jimmy, he would throw it twenty-five yards out of bounds. I, <laughs> I give him that. He gonna make sure he get out of bounds, but he ain't making no completion in between them hashes at all. I, I think Jimmy Clawson is <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Clawson is at least like forty-five percent of why Steve Smith led the Panthers. Complete like uh, the idea of like a malcontent Steve Smith yeah. started with Jimmy Clawson. It's probably somewhere up in the 60s, tail camp. It's probably somewhere in about 60%. <laughs> I mean, I know, you know Steve wanted to punch, fight him at all times, obviously. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So, so good conversation regarding quarterback. So, last thing, potential salary cap release players for the Panthers this year. Who do y'all see being released? Let's start with, you know what, I'll, I'll take this one first. First off, James Bradbury can get his walking papers and leave right now. You, you want me to? I'll print them out and give them to him right now. <laughs> I am not paying you $15 million to play cornerback. I'm sorry. I mean, corners are are great. But, my guy, you acting like you are the next Deion Sanders, my man. Is James Bradbury the fifth best quarterback, fifth best cornerback in the NFL? No. And then, I don't know, have y'all looked at that uh, cornerback salary leaderboard? Yes. There is there, there is some regret, there's some regrettable things up there, man. Yes. Our boy, uh, our boy Xavier Rhodes, the uh, – I think he was the 10th worst cornerback in all football last year, according to PFF. There's only one person making the money and actually doing the job that they should be doing to get paid that amount. That dude's name is Stephon Gilmore. The rest of that is like just inflated numbers and whatever. And I hate to say it, James, 
I forget your middle name, Bradbury. You better go talk to your boy, Josh Norman, and see what happened when you go from your system to something else. And you become this corner that people pick on because I still remember. And this is why I won't pay you $15 million a year. Man, you let Julio Jones catch 300 yards in one game. Like, I'm not paying you. Oh, no, he, was, all right, and he was hurt for that game. All right, and it's, <laughs> that, that was a, I'm not paying him, but that was Ben Wickery. Because I remember oh, Ben Wickery uh, literally got cut like I'm three hours later. Paying, ben Wickery got cut. Matter of fact, throw that whole secondary away. I'm not paying none of y'all back there. If y'all if that you was part of that 300, you ain't you ain't getting nothing. You ain't getting that from me. But there's been other times where you know you just like man, okay, I don't know who's like I can't pay you 15 million dollars because you're not following the number one receiver around the field. But you know what? When he's done that, he has looked horrible. He is a pure zone corner. He he's he's a baby Josh Norman. Yeah, I, I mean definition of number two corner, man. He's like yeah, prototypical number two corner. Prototypical number. If you have a superstar next to him, that like low risk, that like guy who doesn't take a lot of chances, zone corner conservative who just you know keeps everything in front of him is a great yeah. thing to have. But that's not the position we're in. I can't think of the guy that we drafted in the same year as him. I know he's up in uh, Warley. Vegas, Warley, right? I think both of them were in the same mold. Wardley was just a little slow in the <laughs> in the outside world, but <laughs> we see. I think Wardley is making like four or five million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you put him in a four to five million. Like like Cam said, he's a tier two cornerback, so he should probably be in the range of six to ten. I give him that, but fifteen, bro. Nah, bro. I'm not giving you no 15. And, uh, this is a cornerback leaderboard here. Uh, number one, Xavier Howard at 15 mil. Number two, Tremaine Johnson at 14 and a half. Number three, Xavier Rose at 14. Then Patrick Peterson, Marcus Peters. Desmond Trufant has been getting $14 million to sit at home for the past couple of years. Kyle Fuller, A.J. Bouye, Stephon Gilmore, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Butler. Wow. So, uh, essentially, the Panthers uh, and Marty, 2.0. <laughs> don't no, you dare get no, 1.0. Don't this go. dude a franchise tag because that's for no we're not playing that game either we don't need another big money charles johnson man we don't <laughs> big money. No, yeah we don't need an albert hainsworth deal james bradbury goodbye my man i'm sorry i love you keep pounding heck i even got your autograph but uh you got to go i knew we were in trouble when you changed the name to money change the nickname to money <laughs> james I don't know what he's going to change it to, but hey, he's going to change it in another area code because I don't need it in the 704 or the 803. He's going to change it to getting burnt because when he get to the east, man, them boys going to eat him alive. Better learn from Josh, man. <laughs> I, exactly. I, that's who he need to call. I hope he got his phone number because he needed it. Where's his number? Where? <laughs> where? God. I think also, too, some other potential salary cap releases. I do think that Don Terry Poe is gone after this year. He'll be at Carolina North. Uh, and, and what's his name? Uh, he recently just got uh, let go. Uh, they didn't pick up his option. Jerry's right. You know, yeah, I, I, I think Kyle Allen laughs evilly. Yeah. Well, you know what? And this is the thing about Kyle. Kyle is going to be cheap. Kyle has experience now. It's hard to say because, you know, you got Kyle Allen, who's got some, some NFL experience now. And now you got Will Greer, who you spent a third-round pick on. And you're probably still going to draft the quarterback. You're not going to keep four of them, so somebody's going to have to go. So, Bye, Will. 
<laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, we cut, we cut it up right now. Go man. to XFL. <laughs> go to eight. Whatever. I can't do it. Uh, we we talk about all. it. Yeah, that is the least amount of it I have seen. In there is quite no some it. Time, there is no it. The empty. The it is empty. <laughs> that was man. I'm like, bro. Looks like a hipster, man. Short. Nah, I don't even like. <laughs> that just ain't it, man. Well, we we like, apologize for talking yeah, we about talk- you like this, dog. But you 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 somebody got to be honest with you, man. I'm just saying, bro. Like, I mean, these defensive backs in the NFL, man. They dogs. Like, imagine how they feel when they. Saw Will Greer walk onto the field. <laughs> Their first thought was probably, man, I'm about to get me a contract extension. No, I, I I agree with Cam. I mean, I think even if you get another, man, you get a, who were we talking about? We had Kyle Allen, and I forget the other dude that we had last year too, man. Um, Heineke, yeah. I think Heineke, 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 whatever you want to call him, he was better than Will Greer. Yeah, I mean, Heineke showed the ability to complete a pass. I mean, I'm like, like, so I I'm like, Will Greer get a, NFL throw we, off. <laughs> so what are we doing? Like that's what I'm like. Okay, we messed. We missed on this one. We missed bad. It's gotta cut your losses on that one, man. Cut yeah, your losses. Go ahead and get rid of it. Um, and and get a, as Delmar said before, it. man, I think um another cut that we may not want to see that probably is going to happen. I I think Daryl Williams. Who who doesn't want to see that? Hold up. I, I definitely so, want to see that. So man, I'm gonna give you a reason why. I'm gonna give you a reason why. I don't think. He's a starter anymore, man. That that D is gone, man. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but I think he can he can he can be a a one or two game sub if you need it. And I'm all about you know a complete team. I don't like to put all my my eggs in the one basket. But again, he's a candidate to be in Carolina North. We all know how that go. I, I think and people ain't gonna like this, but Paradis and y'all, some he got to show me something. Like I'm not paying you seven million dollars to do what you was doing last year. <laughs> Just fell over, man. Like he he got ran like, over on ninety like, percent like, plays. Larson won't even that bad, bro. Like bro, yeah. Larson. Like bro, stand up. But I think he has to he he has to give me some cap relief or something more, bro. I I can't do it for you. You're not you're not what I'm I'm expecting my center to be. I'll give him like the first half of this year. To get together just because he was like the best center in football before we signed him. Yeah, I, I, I don't, maybe he was hurt last year or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Matt. Cam just bought you a half a season. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going with Cam <laughs> on this. Cam bought you a half a season, but uh, if you ain't you ain't cutting it, I, I don't know what to say. Also, uh, a, uh, I got a, a surprising uh, cat casual here. See what y'all think about this. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I ain't. Uh, I was really stoked on Eric Reed when we got him. Ain't kind of died down for me some. I don't know about y'all. Let me say this. Well, Reed Reed just came out and said that he was dealing with a, a MCL and a, a sprained ankle, which, I mean, I granted, I mean, I'm not going to say that. That's an acceptable excuse. It's not. It's not an acceptable excuse. But I think I think Reed, you know, uh, is still a better overall safety than, than what we've had on the team for a long time. And, um, you know, even though he kind of still had somewhat of a down year, um, I mean, there's a lot of people on that defense, especially towards the latter end of that uh, season, that had a a bad showing. So I'm I'm willing to kind of give him a pass on this one, but otherwise than that, um, I think we keep Reed for another year because I think he will kind of bounce back in the new system. I I don't know, man. That's that's one that's a surprising cut, Tony. What you think, man? So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit of both, right? I think. 
a player that will keep playing throughout a season and throughout injuries to whatever the best of his ability is at that point is somebody worth keeping because you want to, that's the type of people I want in my organization, the people that are going to play, the people that are going to do whatever. Now on, from the cam perspective, somebody needed to go tell that man how to take angles again. Cause he and forgot. You don't just run up to the line and think, and especially with, you know, the, the receivers and the running backs that are today, you don't just run up to the line and think they just going to stop and let you tackle them. So I think his technique is a little off, and I don't know if that was because this random 3-4 defense and all the <laughs> – if you honestly think about it or you look at it, he played so much in the box last year. You're like, what is he What is he always down there for? And the reason why he was always down there is because people blowing these 10-foot holes in our defensive line in the run game. So I think he's good closer to the line, but no safety should be, you know, in a position where they're trying to make that many tackles. I think he was the second or third leading tackle on the team. So I don't ever want my safety to be that high on the list. And I think, you know, with this new defense that we're going to hopefully install with Phil Snow, which we probably need to sit down and really go into a deep film dive to kind of see what a Phil Snow defense looks like. Baylor was like a – Three three five is pretty much what yeah, I yeah. And I he mentioned I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. He, <laughs> he mentioned the multiple roles. So I'm gonna go along with Cam, and it's not a cut right now type guy. But if you don't show me something this year, then I don't care what I get for you. I'm probably gonna trade you away, or I'm just gonna wait till your rookie contract runs out and get rid of you. Dante, action, Jackson. <laughs> uh oh. He got a year to get it together. He's still young. I ain't paying you get get young money. You know what I mean? Like you can't freelance like he does. Yes, he'll he'll make an amazing play on, you know, that that interception that he had last year that he jumped probably it looked probably over 40 some inches to snag that. And that was the beginning of the year, man. He looked really really good at the beginning of the year and I'm like, "Oh, well, it looks like James Bradbury is the number 2 corner. He ain't the number 1." But then it's just like he fell off the map, like all together, and like people were just picking on him. And then he goes to say, again, I'm a big person on being professional and doing the best of your ability and not trying to blame it on somebody else. Then he says that, oh, the coaches put me in the wrong position. Yeah, I don't like like the fact he runs his mouth too much. Keep your mouth closed. Like, bro, you got burnt. Just say you got burnt, call it a day, move on. I don't know what his issue is with. And, and maybe it's a study thing, but he got to get into them. He got to get into it, man. If he doesn't do that, I don't think he's worth keeping around because he seems like he's in the mold of, you know, a younger, non-productive Josh Norman type mentality. And Josh Norman sucked to like Josh Norman three year four, to like year yeah, four, yeah, like yeah, he's like three year four. At least Dante's exes like Josh Norman was just straight up bad at football too. Yeah. <laughs> it was just. I mean, because you remember every year you used to hear about Josh Norman. This this corner is at practice, and he's locking down this dude. He's locking, and then we're like, "Where is where is this dude that we've been talking about all summer?" Oh, there he is. He's twenty yards off his receiver, getting toasted. Yeah, yeah. Josh didn't really uh, get it together until that fourth season when he started playing within the system. Yeah, but I do think uh, the regime change could be good for uh, Dante. You know, I did see he did come out and talk about uh he went on his way to say how excited he was to uh, work with Coach Rule. So that was definitely a positive step for him. 
Yeah, looking looking forward to the to the you know, and sometimes that's just the the thing too, man. You get some new blood, you get a new system, you get new coaching, and they kind of turn the knob on you versus you getting a chance to turn it on yourself. So we'll see. Well, all right, fellas, man, good show today. Lots of good discussion. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say before we sign off? I'm just gonna say it again, Matt. Hey, Herney 2.0, don't <laughs> you do it? That's all I'm gonna say. Don't do it. Cam, what you got, man? Anything? Man, you got to have a hairline. You got some $15 million, man. Dang, you talking about my man's ball spots in his day. Good Lord, that's that's sad, man. You can't can't be 27 bald, number two corner, ask 15 mil, man. Uh, it might be why he wanted the 15 mil. And get that, go uh, talk to a – You trying to say you're going to invest in some Rogaine? Yeah, hey. And the hair doctor. Some, some, some Beijing or something, but got, – got, got my man Braun right. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Thank you, guys. And uh, this is the end of episode three. So, Cardiac Cats, send us your, your email. Send us your questions. We appreciate you listening. And always, keep pounding.